Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we conclude our Wednesday evening series on attitude. Tonight's sermon is entitled, Let Me Tell You a Secret, by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. And now, Pastor Johnson. necessary for a church to stay in love with God, in love with leadership, and in love with each other in the spirit. Amen. A friend of mine used to tease me with a comment. He said, I thought about being a preacher when I was young, but I decided not to because I don't believe in working on Sunday. <laughs> but he would add with a twinkle in his eye, it sure must be nice to work only just one day a week. I want to slap him. <laughs> a speech teacher was asked by a young man what it would take to become a good preacher. She said, fill your mouth with marbles and practice speaking. After a while, take one of the marbles out of your mouth one by one, and when you lose all your marbles, (laughs) you'll be a preacher. That's funny. That's a joke on me. A black minister gave this explanation of his approach to preaching. He said that he read himself full, thought himself clean, and then prayed himself hot. I like that. But I love the story of Fred and Martha who were driving home from church one day. And Martha said, Fred, did you notice that the pastor's sermon was a little weak today? He said, no, I didn't, really didn't notice that. He said, she said, well, did you really hear the choir today? They were very flat. I didn't hear that. He said, well, she said, well, you certainly must have noticed that young couple and their kids right in front of us and all the noise and commotion they were made during the whole service. She said, no, dear, I didn't remember that. I didn't see that. She said, finally in disgust, honestly, Fred, I don't know why you even bother to come to church. (laughs) That's funny. I don't care who you are. (laughs) I'm not going to be lengthy tonight. I'm really not. I've told you this before. I'm going to be like Henry VIII told his fifth wife. I won't hold you long. I'm not going to be long tonight. There's a time-honored story, which you may remember, that comes from the French Revolution. King Louis XVI and his queen were condemned to die. They were escorted to the guillotine in the public square in Paris where they were beheaded. But the mob was not satisfied. They said, bring out the prince. He's next. And the young boy was terrified. He was only six years old, but he was next in line to be the king. And in the mind of the crowd, he had to be eliminated. According to the story, the young prince stood on the platform, trembling in his black velvet coat. And the mob screamed at him, down with royalty, eliminate all royalty, kill the prince. Suddenly a shout came from the crowd, don't kill him. Killing would be too good for him. For if you kill this six-year-old boy, it will only send him to heaven. And that's too good for royalty. I say turn him over to Meg, the witch in our town, and she'll teach him to be a sinner. And when he dies, his soul will go to hell. That's what this royalty deserves. So according to the legend, that's exactly what happened. The officials turned the young prince over to the witch. And the vile woman did everything she could to teach this boy the wrong ways of life. She tried to teach him foul language. She tried to teach him foul ways of living. But every time she prompted the prince to be profane, he would stubbornly stamp his feet and clench his fist and shout, 
I will not say it. I will not do it. I will not speak that way. I was born a king. And I will not speak like I live in a gutter. So what is it? Is it genetics? Is it environment? The story is probably apocryphal. But it speaks to our lesson from the epistle today in the book Galatians said, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Say, hey, we're all one, buddy. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I want to ask you a question tonight. I'm going to really preach tonight a little bit. Do you know who you are? Do you really know who you are? You are a child of God. That may not sound like six words that you need to hear tonight because of the bad stuff that's happened in your world this week, but you are a child of God. And nothing else in this world matters. Are you male? That's irrelevant. Are you a female? Doesn't matter. Are you from one of the better families in our town? Good for you. That gives you many advantages in our society. But it means nothing when you stand before God. What is your social background? That also comes with certain advantages. It eliminates most excuses for not doing well. But will it get you inside the gates of the kingdom? Not at all. The only thing that's going to get you inside the kingdom is Jesus Christ dying for your sins. He has accepted you as part of the family. That's all that matters. Because of his amazing grace. Everybody say amazing grace. grace. You and I are children of God. Say I'm a child of God. So you're somebody only because Jesus paid the price for you. I put it on the screen. It's horrible when a person believes that his or her life doesn't count. It's very horrible when that happens. I want you to look at somebody beside you. I want you to help me preach tonight and say, you matter. Say it, you matter. Your life counts. But you don't know me. No, it don't matter if I know you're not. Your life counts. You would not be making up space and breathing God's air if you didn't count. You count. We see it all the time. A teenager who feels he doesn't fit in. An adult loner who keeps sabotaging his or her relationships. The older person who wonders if it wouldn't be better for everyone if he or she just went ahead and died. There are many, many people in this world who don't think their lives matter in the great order of things. It's sad. And saddest of all, some of these people are in this building tonight. But before you leave here tonight, that's what preaching does. It turns your thinking around one more time. And on this halftime of the last of attitude speeches here tonight and attitude messages, I want you to walk out of here saying with everything that's in you, I belong to Jesus Christ. I must be somebody special. Hallelujah. Come on, I belong to Jesus Christ. I must be somebody special. There was a man named Leslie Weatherhead who was an air raid warden during the awful days of the London Blitz back in the early 40s. And when the all clear sounded one night in London, it was his job, it was his job to go and survey the damage. 
And one night there had been a particularly heavy bombing, and he went to the surface coming out of the ground, and he went to the surface, and all he could see was smoldering ruins. And as he walked, he suddenly heard the sound of a child's voice crying, and he went around some ruins. And there, to his amazement, he saw a little boy about eight years old sitting, sobbing on what had been a building. Somehow the child had gotten lost trying to get to the air raid shelter and had managed to survive by staying on the surface. Weatherhead went to the little lad and said, Where do you live, son? Where is home? And the child pointed to a street where there was nothing left but rubble. And Weatherhead said, Where are your parents? Where's your mom? Where's your dad? The little boy said, My dad is in the Navy. He's overseas. My mother was killed two nights ago. And whether it asked, where is the rest of your family, uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters? And the child shook his head and said, they are gone. They have all been killed. And at that point, Leslie Weather had stooped over, got eye level with the little boy and said, tell me, son, tell me, who are you? With that, the little boy began to cry even more convulsively. Then he said through his tears, mister, I ain't nobody's nothing. I ain't nobody's nothing. Leslie Weatherett said that if he lived to be 100 years old, he didn't think he would ever forget the poignancy of that sight. A little boy sitting in the midst of chaos, feeling unconnected, unimportant to anybody else in the world. Commenting on that story, Dr. Claypool writes, that condition is a terrible denial of one of the constituent needs of our human nature. We all need to feel loved. We need to be cared for, feel to be cared for. We need to know that what happens to us makes a difference to someone else. Everybody say we all need to feel and be loved. We need to be, we need to be cared for. We need to know that what happens to us makes a difference to somebody else. I want to go, I want to go crazy here a little bit right now. I want to go nuts a little bit here right now. It doesn't matter what kind of membership you had in the past and what kind of pastor you had in your yesterday. It didn't matter if you got dismissed from a church and somebody told you you'd never go to heaven. It doesn't matter. What matters is where you are right now. What matters is where you're sitting right now. And I promise you, I am not out of the will of God to tell you that this church, this house of God is on its way to heaven. Why don't you get a hold of this old boat called Zion? And let somebody preach you out of darkness into a marvelous light. And let somebody tell you, yes, you are somebody in this life. And you matter. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and everybody in this house is loved by Almighty God and loved by a preacher. Amen. Our parents taught us sticks and stones will break our bones, but words will never hurt us. That's not true. It should read this way. Sticks and stones do break your bones, but words can take their toll. For sticks and stones will make you moan, but words will stain your soul. Negative words, labels, derogatory names hurt. They're meant to put us in our place, label us and set us apart from the group. They can damage us down deep in our soul and spirit. pastor went to visit a family in his community and the father of the family introduced his children like this. This is Pete. He's the clumsy one of the lot. He's real clumsy. This is Kathy coming with mud on her shoes. She's a sloppy one. And as always, Mike is last. He'd be late for his own funeral, I promise you. 
So one was clumsy, one was sloppy, and one was always late. Isn't that a great way to be identified by your parents? When your kids walk in, they're not in here with you now, but when they walk in the house, you ought to look at them and say, there comes a child of God. It may, it may think, you may think I'm being a little funny and facetious right now, but I still look at my daughters and say, I'm so proud God has saved your soul. I'm so proud God has redeemed your life. I'm so proud that God has brought you out of darkness into a marvelous light. I still tell my wife, thank you for being a child of God. Thank you, not just being my wife. She's better than my wife. She is a child of God. She belongs to Jesus Christ. She belongs to one that loved her when she was just a little nothing. She was loved by a God in heaven. And I'm telling you, it's important for people to know that everybody in this house matters, still matters. Would you magnify him here tonight? Would you do that? Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says in the New Revised Standard Version, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but you're a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Get slavery out of your mind. Get only a child out of your mind. You're an heir and a joint heir. Come on, you belong to something great, to Almighty God. You belong to Him tonight. Would you rejoice in that and say, I'm, I'm hearing you, preacher. Turn your hearing aids up. Come on, you got to hear this tonight. I want to say it, put it on the screen. In God's kingdom, there are no second-class citizens. You know why I preach this way? I'm fixed to confess something to you. You know why I preach this way? Because I was, I was never told that I was ever going to amount to anything when I started preaching the gospel. My dad was a silent witness to me. My mom was not one that really encouraged me in this ministry. But when I got into the ministry, I knew that they were proud of me. But I didn't have a lot of ministers coming along and say, son, you got it. You just got it. You have it. You got a hold of it. And I know why now. Because I wasn't a blue blood. Because I didn't have a dad who was in the ministry. Because I didn't have somebody that could promote me and put me in a large church when I first started preaching. I know all about it because that's the politics of preaching. But there was somebody that stood by me when I preached the gospel. And he's still standing by me tonight when I preached the gospel. And he's telling me that I brought you up. And I lifted you high. And I let you declare my goodness. Now tell everybody in this house. It don't matter where you come from. It matter where you're headed. Come on, get your attitude right. Don't give up on yourself. You are somebody. Don't you give up on yourself. In fact, if I would have counted the times when people told me to go home to Lubbock, go home to Leveland, you need to go home, son. You need to go home. This probably isn't for you. This probably, that was just the first year of my ministry. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden I learned how to put a sermon together. And it broke out. And I started preaching stuff. And guys, 
who thought they had the upper hand on me because they came from a right lineage and I didn't come from that same lineage. They said, how are you getting these revivals? I said, hey, 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 hey. I didn't believe the report of your daddies and your mamas and I believe the report of the Lord. He told me I mattered. And I'm preaching what God told me to you. You matter. Let me tell you something. You're the best thing on the job. You're the best thing in school. You're the best thing driving down the highway, so don't get road rage. You're the best thing on your block. You're the best thing in your house. You're the best thing going in this kingdom called the kingdom of God. Because God has brought you out of darkness into this marvelous light and there are no second class citizens in the kingdom of God. For 12 years she is known as a nobody. Just a nobody. Just a nobody. She was a nobody. She was just a woman with an issue of blood. Just a nobody. Just a nobody. And one day she said within herself, Jesus was on his way to another miracle. He was going to Jairus' house to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And she said within herself, nobody encouraged her. Nobody said, hey, 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 there he is. Because nobody's can't touch that somebody. But she said within herself, if I can just get to him and touch his garment, I will be made whole. No choir prompted her to do that. No preacher prompted her to do that. She just said it within herself. Sometimes you just got to have self-talk. You got to talk to yourself. Sometimes we don't have Wednesday night church on Thursday night. We don't have Sunday service on Monday. Sometimes you just got to talk to yourself. And say, I heard something the other day and I'm going to believe it today. The pastor put a shiny apple in my hand. I think I'm going to bite on it. I'm going to see if this is as good as it is. Because you need self-talk. Everybody say self-talk. You need to talk to yourself. You need to say, I belong here. I'm not an outcast. I've been saved. I've been sanctified, set apart. I've been born again. I've been water baptized. Hallelujah, I've been identified. I belong, I belong, I belong. I'm a part of the family of God. Do I sound like a cheerleader or do I sound like a preacher? I'm trying to preach to you right now. If you got quiet as a mouse on me, I'd still preach this way because I am so tired of hell telling you when you walk out of the church that the only place you're ever going to feel God, the only do the will of God is in the house of God. That's not true. You're the best thing going in your street. You're the best thing going in your quarter of town. You, there ain't nobody like you, nobody like you that hadn't been born again. You are a child of God. And when she touched the hem of his garment, he stopped. He said, somebody touch me. She went from a nobody to a somebody just like that. And Pete said, Lord, it could have been anybody. Pete was trying to downgrade the somebody. But he said, no, no, a somebody touched me. She came out of the crowd and said, it was I, Lord, it was, I touched you. He said, daughter, (laughs) what did you call me? Daughter, 
I called you daughter. You're my kid. Anybody that can self-talk yourself into coming and touching my garment when everybody didn't eat your name not even mentioned in the Bible. It don't even matter what your name is. But you came because you believed in your heart that you could have what I was giving away. And you did it. And you went from a nobody to a somebody to an anybody to a daughter. Isn't it amazing how man will try to pull you back from a somebody to an anybody? But then God turns it around and calls you son. Here's what I want to tell you because there's no second class citizens. Some people have parents who care for them, a spouse who adores them, children who look up to them, but somehow they have had something happen in their lives that has convinced them that they're unworthy, unloved, unfit to dwell in society. Let me preach. Flannery O'Connor once wrote a story about a boy who went to the attic and drew a circle with a big elf in the middle. He drew this circle with a big elf in the middle because he hadn't done well in school. He had flunked. Then the young man did something tragic. He took his life over the big elf. Failure is not final. Failure is just something. It's an event that happens. It's not the person that you are. Oh, my God. When you signed up with the Savior, you became a success. You're going to hit trouble. You're going to hit situations. There's an interesting news story. I love this story. Sometime back describing an incident that took place in a north, northeastern Italy. A rich man was driving his luxury car into a parking lot, and he, as he did so, a parking lot attendant motioned to a spot where the man was supposed to pull in. But the rich man ignored the attendant and pulled to another space instead. So the two of them got in an argument with the attendant trying to explain to the rich man why he was not allowed to park where he did. Eventually, the wealthy man ended the conversation by staring at the parking lot attendant and saying, you are nobody. Oh, I love the way this story is. <laughs> the attendant didn't take that insult lying down. He took the rich man to court and sued him for calling him a nobody. Nobody is not only impolite, but under Italian law, it's also illegal. The judge found the rich man guilty of slander because he confessed, yeah, I called him that. He didn't know the law. Woo! Get him, judge, get him. <laughs> and he fined him 300 euros, not a lot, plus 500 euros in court costs. Now, while it's true many times people are too quick to sue over trivial matters, it's neat to know that every person who made someone feel insignificant or unworthy could be held accountable for their words and their actions. I'm going to say this. That even pastors and people that have talked down to you in life, they're going to be held accountable for every word. That's why when you come into this house, I know I preach against sin. I've got to preach against sin, but I'm always going to preach against the subject, not the object. I'm going to love the sinner and hate the sin. I'm going to love the person and hate the thing that you're doing in your life. So when I preach about sin, I'm preaching about a subjective situation, not about objects in this house because you're a child of God. Oh, I want to walk this aisle right now. Come on, I'm preaching to you. You're somebody in this house. Come on. You're somebody in this house. You matter to God in this house. You matter to this church. You matter to this pastor. Don't you let anybody put you down and say you're nobody. You are somebody. 
Come on, get your attitude going. We're going to walk out of here tonight saying, I am, I am, I am by the grace of God. ABC News brought an article out one day. Uh, that was a part of something that the late Peter Jennings kind of discovered when he was yet alive. And the subject of the study was racial prejudice. In one of the segments, they did an experiment featuring a school teacher and a large group of students. And the teacher began by dividing the kids into two camps. Are you ready for this now? Blue eyes are blueies. And brown eyes are brownies. And then she proceeded to explain that blueies tend to be slower and clumsier and dumber than other kids. And to reinforce the lesson, every time a blue-eyed kid made a slightest mistake, much to the delight of the brown eyes or the brownies, the teacher said something disparaging like, what else would you expect from a bluey? Amazingly, after just a few minutes of this, most of the blue-eyed kids were thoroughly cowed, and some of them even in tears. If you don't think such things happen in the real world, you're naive. Many people have been beaten down by the world. Here is what much-respected writer Henry Nowen says about this. The world tells you many lies about who you are, and you simply have to be realistic enough to remind yourself of this. Every time you feel hurt, every time you feel offended, Every time you feel rejected, you have to dare to say to yourself, these feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth is, I'm a chosen child of God. I'm precious in God's eyes. I'm called the beloved from all eternity and held safe in the everlasting embrace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am somebody. I got to quit. Oh, I got a little time. Y'all just like my stories. There's a, there's a letter carrier in West Virginia named Rose Hart, Rose Marie. And for the first seven years, she said her one goal every day was to get the right letter in the right box and get over as soon as possible and get back to the station and go home. She wanted to get done with her job so she could get on with her life. Then something happened to her. She went to church one night and found Jesus and was filled with the Spirit of God. In her words, she said, I met Jesus and he changed my life. She said, from then on, I looked at my route, my postal route, in a different way. For the first time, I really began to see the people along my route and listen to them. And, oh, I knew them by name and I knew some of their stories, but now... I heard about a domestic abuse in a house. I heard about the great joy of a, somebody having a baby in another house. I heard celebration here because of an impending wedding and grief here because of a death. And she stopped to talk with kids who were sitting outside one day on their porch on the steps at 10 degree weather because they had forgotten their keys and mom and dad were still at work. 
She reminded the house a couple of doors down where the people had said, if the kids ever need us, send them to us. And so she knew it would be safe to tell them they could go down to the neighbors and get out of the weather and wait for their mom and dad. And Rosemary Marie began treating everyone along her mail route as though they were brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Whether they were Christian or not, she treated them that way. And when some of the patrons of her route were interviewed, they said, she's a breath of fresh air to us. One of the people who were homebound said, she's the only contact I have with the outside world. And everybody on the route said, she's the most important woman in our lives because she discovered that she was somebody in Christ. She became committed to letting other people know they were somebody as well. I wish that could happen to all of us here tonight. I wish people who discover they really are somebody in Christ find it so easy to let other people know they are somebody as well. That's the real true meaning of Christianity. It really is. It's not about getting people's names on the dotted line. It's not about letting the world know that because of who Jesus is and what he has done, we all matter. Every one of us. Every one of us matter. Turn to your neighbor and say, you matter. You matter. You matter. Say, you matter. pastor preached one time and I close a pastor preached one time after making a visit to a planetarium he came back and preached when he discovered that you and I are literally made from stardust not dust, stardust our wonderful human bodies are made of a matter that once was a star he goes on to say perhaps on a scientific level that isn't terribly exciting but on a metaphoric level It's mind-blowing. We have the Genesis story of Adam being created from earth. We have the scientific story of humanity being created from heaven, the God of heaven. Then he reminds us of the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. The God that created us came from the stars, came from the moon, came from the sun. He came and created all this stuff for us, and he breathed into us the breath of life. That wasn't earthly air, that was heavenly air. Maybe dust out here, but there's some glory going on down in here. There's some glory going down on in here. When I was just a kid, Brother Randy, if you'd help me, when I was just a kid, I, my dad sharecropped it. We, uh, we had to charge our lunches, and then we would pay for our lunches at the end of the school year. Well, and I'm going to brag a little bit. This is bragging, but I'll humble myself when I get through. I never was beaten in a foot race in all my years in school, never. My dad used to run track barefooted. They put him on the outside line because he didn't have money to buy shoes, and so they put him outside so he wouldn't get spiked by those kids that could afford shoes. And I guess I got my speed from Dad. I could run. I can't run now. I can't run now. Don't challenge me to a race. But I remember when Alexander Wright was here several years ago in the old building. He ran a 
2-2 in the 40 in the NFL, the fastest ever. I challenged him to a race that day after church. Played for the Dallas Cowboys. He could run, but he couldn't catch. I love Alexander, but he couldn't catch the ball. <laughs> I said, all right, I'm going to say go. I'm going to say go. I got to get that option. It was a 20-yard dash. So on your mark, get set, and I took off, and then I said, Go. If it had been 21 yards, he'd have blown my door off. I can tell the world I beat Alexander Wright in a race. But when we'd get to the lunchroom, I had to wait. I could beat everybody in the lunchroom because I could round that corner. I get that lunchroom, but I had to wait. I used to, I used to see the looks of, of those kids that looked at me that had money to buy their lunches, and it bugged me. Kind of made me want to fight every one of them, but I never fought in school, but I wanted to, I didn't like the way they looked at me. It bothered me as a little old boy. And I remember, I remember telling my mom and dad one year, I said, can y'all just kind of give me money up front, save some money back so I can do that? And finally they did. I started, I started buying my lunches, but it was, it was, a, it was tough. So naturally, I called myself last in line Johnson. Because I always had to wait till everybody had paid to eat, and then I got to eat. But there was something good about that. I got extras. <laughs> little old elementary woman in one of the schools I went to, like me, she always gave me extra potatoes. And on Friday, she gave me an extra piece of fish. She always blessed me. I've always been favored of God. And I look back and all, all those things that happened, all those things that happened, just let me know that God, God was going to, he was going to transport me from last in line, the last shall be first. And I'm preaching to a group of people here tonight, now listen to me, you don't just listen to a word and then go home, you got to, you got to, you got to live it. I'm not telling you to get cocky and proud and arrogant and haughty. No, 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 no. I'm telling you that you got to reach way inside and say, you know what? This may be old dust out here. This is heaven's dust in here. I got heaven in my heart and I belong to him. And you may look at me because I don't have the means that you have in life, but I've got the method to get out of this world someday. I'm going home. Amen. Two teams played one day, opening day of 1954 in the major leagues. Two teams. One was the Cincinnati Reds. The other was the Atlanta Braves. And on one team, they brought a rookie up, and it was his, it was his debut day. He had four doubles that day, played for Cincinnati. The man that was debuting for the Atlanta Braves was 0 for 5 that day. And everybody thought that Jim Greengrass of the Cincinnati Reds was going to be the, the ultimate player and the other boy that's worried about him. Greengrass had four doubles that day and his team beat the Atlanta Braves 9-8. to eight. And the other man, oh, you know him as Henry Aaron. Hank Aaron. 
wound up with 755 home runs, no steroids. The home run king still in my life and my heart today. Here's, here's what I'm telling you. Didn't matter how you started. Matters where you're going to end up. You may go 0 for 5 in your past. You may have never been able to hit the ball. You may have never been able to make a, make a, make, make a, make a show in the world. But I promise you, with Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ in your life, you're going to lead the team one day. You're going to be known all over this world because you are somebody in the kingdom of God. Would you receive the word tonight from your pastor? Would you receive this word? Receive it. Clap your hands real big. Receive it. Receive it. And that concludes today's message. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.